All right, officially less than 15 minutes away from first pitch in OKC. OU and Stanford coming your way at 216. Game one of the Women's College World Series for the number one ranked OU softball team. Who will be in the circle? Might it be Jordy Ball or Nicole May or Alex Storacco? Does it really matter at this point? Take your, take your pick between the three aces that OU has right now. OU and Stanford coming your way in 12 minutes. Uh, you can listen to that on the ref, by the way. 1400 AM, 99.3 FM. Uh, Parker and I will continue to be on 94.7 FM and the free KREF app. So, yeah, we'll keep you updated throughout this hour exactly what's going on in OKC. But at the same time, you guys know what we do this hour. We talk OU football recruiting, and I, I think that there's a few lead stories going on. But you probably got to start where Parker was earlier this afternoon at the Brent Venables football camp. Um, I, I guess you kind of start here, Parker. Who's in town in terms of major targets and commits? I think uh, Malik Hawkins uh, is in town currently. What's what's that situation look like currently with uh, day one of that getting underway? Yeah, so the Hawkins boys are in town at the camp. Obviously, Kevin Sperry and his younger brother, Rozzy, class of 2027 quarterback, are in town as well. Jaden Nickens, the elite wide receiver from Millwood Ooh. High School up in Oklahoma City, he made an appearance. Zion Kearney is camping with the Sooners. Okay. Uh, Elijah Thomas. Now, I hadn't gotten the chance to see Elijah Thomas in person until today, Tyler. Oh, boy. That dude can go. Like that, and, and listen, Oklahoma's made several high-end offers and is in very good shape with several top receivers in the class of 2025. I, <laughs> to me, Elijah Thomas, especially being an in-state kid, that's one of those guys that you got to have at Oklahoma. He is a stud. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've talked about that 2025 class and how many top you know prospects 24/7 has right now, right now compared to the rest of the states. And no, OU's not California or Georgia or Florida or Alabama or anything like that. But it's about as loaded of a state in 2025, maybe in uh, recent memory for top prospects. Now, you, you mentioned wide receiver, and I kind of think it leads to maybe. A, a bit of a bigger conversation, like Emmett Jones is in really good shape in 2024 to land an elite wide receiver class. Uh, DeMarco Murray, the, the same in 2024, though he doesn't have a commitment just yet. But if you want to project it out to the next three or four recruiting classes, are there two current assistants in better shape right now than DeMarco Murray or Emmett Jones in terms of what you think that they're going to do in the next three to four years. Obviously, the way they've recruited gives you some confidence, but the targets they're already in on, you know, maybe there's another assistant that's in better shape, but it, it might be hard to find one outside of DeMarco and Emmett Jones, your, your running backs and wide receivers coach. Yeah, well, I would say let's not forget about Jeff Levy, whose job is already done for the next True. calendar yeah. year. Um, that dude doesn't have to even worry about watching any film until – September, October at the earliest. He's got his guy in 2024, and he's got his guy in 2025. So at this point, it's evaluating the rising sophomore tape and looking for a guy in the class of 2026. So I think Jeff Lebby is all too easily forgotten about in that conversation because, well, he's had those two guys committed for so long that you kind of forget, oh, yeah, Oklahoma does have a couple of really good recruits at the quarterback position, and that is Jeff Lebby's group. But – uh, obviously, you only take well. This and this isn't without exception, but generally, you're only going to take one quarterback a class. 
running backs, the tradition at Oklahoma is going to be that you take two, and most years, more often than not, you're going to take three at wide receiver. So in terms of numbers, obviously Emmett Jones and DeMarco Murray are going to stand out a little bit more. I, I am interested to see what Jay Valai is able to do with some of the top cornerbacks in the class of 2025 after we figure out what his 2024 haul looks like. Kobe Black confirmed his OU official last night, so he'll be in town on June 9th. You've got Jeremiah Newcomb in the fold. Eli Bowen, obviously in the mix as well. Uh, Caleb Beasley, whether or not he's a Tennessee plant, we can set that debate aside for a second. He's taking an official visit on the 9th too. So once Javali wraps up his 2024 class and you begin to look ahead to 2025, OU's in really, really good shape with a couple of the top cornerbacks in the entire country in Dejon Petaway and Devin Sanchez. So – Velias, another guy that could yeah. be poised to do some big things in the couple classes ahead. Yeah, I, I, offensive recruiting is going to be just fine in the next three to four years and probably even beyond that. I, I guess you got to throw in Brandon Hall to that conversation as, as well. Um, we'll see what 2024 looks like for him in the secondary. I think it's going to be a pretty good class, but all he did last year was be a Big 12 Recruiter of the Year, not KREF Recruiter of the Month like Emmett Jones has the past two months. He got Big 12 Recruiter of the Year last cycle by 24-7 Sports. So, uh, yeah, probably some confidence there that Brandon Hall is going to continue to uh, to get some nice classes. Speaking of the offense and speaking of Emmett Jones and speaking of this wide receiver class this year. Here we go. The gym, if he commits, if he signs, you knew what's happening. It's, you know, it's story 1A right now, I, I think, with OU football recruiting. Is if OU can get five-star wide receiver Bryant Wesco. Well, we felt good about that for a while. He released, what, five official visits yesterday, and some people started freaking out. Now, we have to remember that this cycle, kids can take more than just five official visits here. USC, Clemson, LSU, TCU, Tennessee were listed. Oklahoma was not. I'm guessing you didn't push the panic button like everyone else on this. Yeah, I'm not pushing the panic button at all because I do expect Bryant Wesco to take an official visit to Oklahoma. And in talking with a few very well-placed sources on the matter, the word is still unanimous. Bryant Wesco, the belief on the Oklahoma end is that Bryant Wesco is going to be a Sooner. And I've corroborated that with a couple of good sources down there in Texas as well. And look, they're trying to drive up the TCU buzz and the LSU buzz and the buzz for really anybody except for Oklahoma right now, and everybody has their reasons as to why they do something like that. But what I'm trying to get across here is that Oklahoma's still in very good shape with that kid, regardless of whether he takes an OV in June or not. And he's got five OVs set. He's not going to be at Oklahoma in the month of June, but I do expect him there in July at the party at the Palace. Uh, okay. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Let's get him in. 405-651-3439. From the 918, you sure there won't be any decommits when you fire out another losing season? Oh, that, boy, we're, we're we got a doomer. Another losing season for these guys? Oh, okay. I knew uh, Stuart Mandel. Is that you? Is this uh, members of the national media that think OU's going to suck with a terrible schedule again? Uh, okay. If another losing season were to happen, I am on record that I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, will decommits happen if you fire out another losing season? Yes, I'm sure that you'll have a decommit or two just like you did last year. Yeah. You could have a winning record and you still could have a decommit at some point. It's it's recruiting. Yeah, nobody is immune from decommitments, but 
I think Oklahoma, look, if there's a guy in this class that wants to test the visit policy, Oklahoma's not going to think twice about cutting bait with that guy after learning the lessons that they learned a year ago with Colton Vosick and Anthony Evans. But you look at Isaiah Autry, that kid's not going anywhere, nor is Jeremiah Newcomb. Michael Hawkins is a very solid commitment. Uh, I mean, who else? Jaden Hardy's certainly not going anywhere. K.J. Daniels, if he gets the LSU offer, yeah, maybe he would flip. But, you know, Oklahoma's got – and Emmett Jones would have plenty of options as to who they pursue next at wide receiver, even if that were to happen. And I talked to a source very, very close to Zion Kearney this morning at OU's team camp. Kearney, 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 Zion Kearney. I, you just, it's just going to happen. Parker, um, it, it's to the point now where I, I never question whether it was Kearney or Kearney, but I catch myself sometimes almost saying Kearney. So yeah, I blame so, you. But anyway, I, I talked to a source very close to Zion Kearney this morning and was told, yeah, he's done. He's locked in. That dude's not going anywhere but Oklahoma. Uh, some real negativity on the text line so far. I, I don't know what's going on. From the 405, he's a five-star. He's not coming to OU. So I, I guess we just punted on the idea of no more five-stars after getting three in last year's cycle. Yeah, I was Pretty about to amazing. say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but I believe they got three of those guys a year ago. <laughs> the, the most five-stars you've gotten in – you know, a few recruiting cycles and, and more on the defensive side than you've gotten in over a decade, I believe. But, yeah, let's be negative about every five-star. Okay. 832, so it says, so is Wesco a five-star or is he a four-star? Rivals has him as a four-star, but you guys keep saying five-star. Yeah, um, he is a five-star on 24-7 sports. I, is he still the number nine overall player in the country? I'm going to guess once Rivals updates its rankings, they're I would guess that they're going to have him as a five-star. You could probably speak to that better than I could, but I think when it's all said and done, he'll probably be a five-star. Yeah, Bryant Wesco, I would expect, will be a five-star across the board by the end of the cycle because everybody, everybody across the recruiting industry is infatuated with this kid. And Rivals has a recruiting rankings overhaul coming within the next couple of weeks. I very much expect Bryant Wesco to be among numerous Oklahoma commits and targets that make a big rise. Uh, would you like to get to another uh, – It's I, I don't know if you want to call it negative, but, you know, just not the uh, vibe that we're looking for today. Sure. From the 918, I mean, we do realize that this upcoming class relies heavily on the performance of the 2023 season, right? Don't come at me with, well, look at the 2023 class after the 2022 season. This is the second year promises made uh, have to be kept. Second year promises made have to be promises kept. Yeah, look, okay, if, sure, if you want to say the success of this defensive class relies on this defense being better, I'll agree with you. I mean, I don't think it can get much worse uh, than, than last year. But, sure, yeah, I, I think that that speaks for most teams across the country. Yes, I think that we would all agree that OU's got to be much better than they were a year ago if you want to be pushing for a top-five class again. And, again, you're going to find the right guys. Regardless of how this season goes, Oklahoma's going to find the right guys to comprise their 2024 recruiting hall. And if guys are turned off by mediocrity, yeah, you get it. But also, you're not going to turn things around at a place like Oklahoma unless you get guys – that are willing to step up to the challenge of being the change. And 
the guys that are willing to commit to that, the guys that are willing to jump on board and put both feet into the fire on Oklahoma's behalf, I don't have any doubt that in the long run those are going to be the right guys to restore Oklahoma to championship contention. Yeah. All right, we're just moments away from first pitch in OKC. It's OU and Stanford. Maybe all these texts in this first segment, everyone just, you know, a little bit jittery, a little bit nervous. You know, OU going for the three-peat, trying to extend the all-time winning streak. I don't know. But keep the text coming. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I'm at the Westwood Golf Course today in Norman. ton of people out in the driving range, ton of people here in the grill uh, maybe get nine holes in before the OU softball game. Maybe listening to the OU softball game live on the ref, 1400 AM, 99.3 FM as they play around. I don't know. There's just a lot of people out here. We'll keep you updated with the softball game today, and we'll get more into recruiting coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. I'm at Westwood Golf today right here in Norman. Got people all over the range today, all over the course. It's a nice day in Norman. People taking advantage of that do so all summer long right here at Westwood Golf. And the Westwood Pool is officially open as well. They got a lazy river. They got water slides for the kids. They've got a kiddie pool. Uh, They've got high dives. They they got everything you need over there uh, next door at the Westwood Pool as well. Come check them out this summer. Really, really awesome complex that they built here in Norman. Uh, Stanford. Uh, Jordy Ball lets up an infield single, then a hit by pitch. So Stanford's got runners on first and second with one out in the top of the first inning. Again, we'll keep you updated on everything going on in OKC. Um, you, you know, we, we, we saw the kickoff times yesterday, Parker. 11 a.m. for the season opener against Arkansas State and 11 a.m. for the last home game of the year against TCU. Now, this staff likes to get OVs out of the way in the summer, seemingly, and this year's class kind of lines up with that. But now that we know the first home game and the last home game are going to be at 11 a.m., and maybe there were never going to be any plans to have a you know big, giant recruiting weekend for a home game, can we even take a guess as to what that home game would be if that situation happens? Because these early kickoff times, as we've seen, man, it's hard for out-of-state kids to get there. It is, and it can be, and that's why 11 a.m. kickoff. That's one of, why one of the many reasons why Joe Castiglione and the Oklahoma leadership made the decision to start to develop an exit strategy to get out of the Big 12 is because, well, you playing in the Big 12, you end up with a lot of 11 a.m. kickoffs, and 11 a.m. kickoffs have their detriments. Recruiting is obviously one of them because it is incredibly difficult for anybody that doesn't come from – the very local radius to be able to play a game on Friday night, board a flight or hit the road and be in Norman in time to be able to take part in all the pregame festivities for recruits, which typically begin a couple hours before kickoff. So realistically, you got to be showing up at 9 a.m. No more than 12 hours after you're wrapping up a game on a Friday night. It's just a logistical nightmare. And Yeah, the sooner Oklahoma can get out of a pattern where they're playing 11 a.m. kickoffs multiple times a month, the better off they're going to be in terms of being able to host elite recruits from more than 100 miles away. Yeah, I mean, they they obviously didn't end up getting David Hicks last year, but, you know, would David Hicks have been able to make an 11 a.m. Bedlam game last year? Because he did end up coming up for an official visit, right? 
that was a primetime night game. And again, OU didn't get him, I understand that, but you at least felt like maybe you had a chance late after the OV. And does a five-star from the state of Texas, is he able to make it up if the game's at 11 a.m. like that, like it is against TCU? I, I don't know. It's just another detriment of the Big 12. And I think another exciting aspect of the SEC is that you have better home games, you got better kickoff times, and for a school like Oklahoma – where the majority of your class is going to be out of state, a little bit, little bit easier to get kids on OVs, um, that's for sure. So we'll see how that plays out in the future, and, and I guess even to this year. Uh, from the 918 on the text line, the way I see it, no commitment is safe this season. Wesco may commit before August, but is he really going to sign after a 9-3 and three season? 9-3? Uh, and three? Yeah, I would think so. Like is is a nine and three season reason enough to be like oh yeah I got it I got concerns about the direction of the program now if they go six and seven again sure I get that if they go six and seven again I understand if there's some apprehension as to whether Bryant Wesco would honor a potential commitment to Oklahoma in favor of a school like LSU for instance that has also been recruiting him for a long long time and that is going to be in championship contention in the years ahead but. If Oklahoma goes nine and three, I don't think the sky is falling on this recruiting class. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to call it a successful year, but can they still have a top ten class with a nine and three season? I mean, sure. Yeah, I I think that that can that can be the case. But I think we'd all agree that they need to be better than nine and three on the field this year. Um, at least that's that's where I'm at. Okay, uh, Ohio Sooner, you said that there was a kid in town for BV's camp whose last name was Petaway. I don't remember what his first name was. Is there any relation to Jaquay's Petaway? Uh, so, yes, I didn't say he was in town for BV's camp. What I did say was that he is one of the top targets on Jay Valaya's cornerback board in the class of 2025. I'm referring to Dejon Petaway of Katy Pato High School in Texas. He is Jaquay's Petaway's cousin. So to answer your question, yes, there is a family tie there. Uh, 8918 says, can't believe OU plays 11 a.m. Black Friday. Not everyone has Black Friday off. You can't believe it? I, I can believe it. Once I saw that OU is playing a Black Friday game against TCU, and then there was an NFL game in the middle of the afternoon that day, I said to myself, yeah, I bet OU plays at 11 a.m. I, I am not – I don't know about you, Parker, but – Four game times were released yesterday, right? Two were 11 a.m., and that didn't that didn't shock me at all. Well, that we saw it. It's the middle finger on the way out for Oklahoma. Like it's the Big 12 giving OU the middle finger as they depart. It's their last conference game in the Big 12 before they make the move to the SEC. Of course, it's at 11 a.m. on a Black Friday. Of course, it is. 918, are we still pursuing the Millwood wide receiver in the 2025 class? Sounds like there's a lot higher on the board than him. Well, I, yes, they're still pursuing him. My question is, okay, you have Grayson Harris committed. Unless you decide to take four receivers, which I guess is within the realm of possibility, you have five or six very legit candidates for two spots because Isaiah Mosey is a legacy and a guy that has loved Oklahoma since he was old enough to walk. Elijah Thomas, another guy that grew up an Oklahoma fan, and as an in-state kid, you have to take if he wants to come. Then you have Andrew Marsh, DeCorian Moore, and you can throw Jaden Nickens in there as well. With Grayson Harris already committed, 
you got to. I, I, I think Emmett Jones is going to have to make some tough decisions down the line as to who he really wants to prioritize. Because I think Elijah Thomas has to be one of those guys, and especially if you land Will Nuaneri, you can't like you, you can't piss off the Lee Summit North people anyway. You certainly can't piss off sure. the guy whose kid is the four-star wide receiver in the 2025 class because. If you want to maintain those relationships at least Summit North, those all run through Jamar Mosey, yes. who played college football yes. at Oklahoma and whose son may end up being the best player, the best offensive player that's ever come out of that program. And I don't think, to me, he's not a you know in-between guy. Is he a take or is he not a take? I feel like Mosey is a take anyway. Um, yeah, I think he has I, I don't think that you're disagreeing with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with the situation that he just laid out, if he was an in-between guy, then, yeah, you got to take him because you know how valuable his dad is in your recruiting efforts. But he's absolutely good enough to, to get an offer, to be a take, and you take that one all day with the OU ties that he has. Yeah, I, I don't even – I don't think that that one's much of a question for sure. 405 is Devon Mitchell attending OU's football camp next weekend. So not next weekend, but the weekend following. And it's interesting. Devon Mitchell is still out. He's still in semester out at Los Alamitos High School. They don't finish school until the 7th of June. So next Wednesday is when he gets out. But his dad, Marco Mitchell, is in town right now hanging out at OU's elite camp. I talked to Marco earlier today, and what he told me is that Devon is going to be camping with Oklahoma on the 15th. That's their final camp date. And then he will be hanging out at the Champ U Barbecue. Obviously, since his reclass process is not yet completed and won't be until August, he can't take an official visit. But what he can do is make the trip an unofficial and just be present around all of the Sooners' other 2024 targets at the Champion Barbecue, including his good buddy Michael Hawkins. So, Devon Mitchell will be in town the 15th through the 18th of June. Uh, from the 918, 9-3 is enough for you to call the season a failure. I mean, it's definitely going to be hard for me to call it a success if they are 9-3 uh, this year, especially without the Georgia game on the schedule, which, by the way, the Athletic had a pretty cool story today uh, from with some quotes from Joe Castiglione about the Georgia game. It sounds like, according to Joe C. Parker, that OU and Georgia tried to do everything absolutely possible to make that game happen. They explored a neutral site game this year, just a one-off neutral site game. They explored, like, you know, doing the home-and-home home, but making it a non-conference game when OU goes to Athens and they're in the SEC. They'd explore just having a one-off game this year in Norman, and Georgia gets a massive payout, maybe even close to half the, uh, half the money that you get for the, for the payout of that game, whatever. They, they, they didn't just say, oh, whatever, you know, we'll just cancel it, no big deal. They, they tried every single avenue to make this happen, even a neutral site game. So I wouldn't have been crazy about a neutral site game. Would love for Georgia to come to Norman, even though that we're going to get that soon. But for all the people that are, you know, crapping on OU and Georgia's non-conference schedule, you at least got to take into consideration they really tried to make this happen. There were just some real limitations from the SEC and other factors involved that didn't allow it to happen. Dang, so what you're telling me is BV wanted the smoke. He wanted yeah. Georgia come. Well, Joe C. wanted the Joe smoke. Joe C. wanted I, the I'm smoke. I'm not sure if uh, – <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if BV did or not. Joe C. wanted the cash. 
He wanted the cheese that was going to come with that Georgia visit to Norman. By the and, way, I love uh, some. Uh, I, I don't. I don't blame him. I love some positivity on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A texter in the nine one eight went, "What will the class look like after OU goes fifteen and 0? Number one, they're going to surpass. They're going to take all of Georgia's recruits. They already made a Georgia running back commit, decommit earlier this cycle. They're just Dylan Riola. They're going to take them all. That's what's going to happen. Uh, no, if they go fifteen and zero, um, I'm sure that they will uh, stand a much better chance to get some of these defensive linemen. What say you? That, that certainly wouldn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, look, if Oklahoma were to go undefeated, that would certainly put them in the driver's seat to sign the number one class in the. 2025 cycle based upon the targets that they've already got and the commits that they've already got. Are they going to go 15 and 0? No. I would be astonished if that happened. But I a good season could be the difference. It could be the razor's edge, the grain of rice that tips the scales if you will, between getting some of these guys that have prolonged timelines for their decisions, i.e. Danny Okoye, for instance, it could be the difference between Landing a guy like that to round out your class and watching that guy go to Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. Yep, yep, truth. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Kennepelmeyer Chevrolet text line. OU and Stanford, Jordy Ball worked out of a jam in the top of the first. Jada Coleman, the leadoff hitter, gets on, so OU's got a runner at first and nobody out in the bottom of the first inning. It's OU and Stanford. We'll keep you updated. Get back to more OU football, more OU Cruton. Coming up next, right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the home of Sooner fans. Still the bottom of the first, still nothing-nothing between OU and Stanford. Tiare Jennings just struck out after, what, a 12-pitch at-bats. So Jada Coleman on first base, one out now as uh, Haley Lee comes uh, rolling up to the plate here. Again, we'll keep you updated, 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, if you want to listen to that game live on the ref by the way the ref army is listening nationwide today once again whitney texas is tuned in raymond maine is tuned in lexington kentucky riverside california auburn hills michigan small town of the day small oklahoma town of the day how about chickasha oklahoma who's tuned in so you can get uh, even better vibes about cooper alexander being a part of this 2024 class and you know he he's announced his stanford visit his ov since he got the uh, OU uh, offer last week, but I'm sure the vibes are probably still the same with Cooper Alexander. Probably feel pretty good about uh, he eventually uh, deciding on OU. I do feel pretty good, and I would say if there if there is a world in which Cooper Alexander does not end up in Oklahoma, which I <laughs> I'm not cons- I'm not convinced that world is the world that we live in. But uh, if there is such a world. I do think Oklahoma would move down the line and take a look at Whit Edwards next. He's camping with Oklahoma today. The concern with him is that he's pretty narrow for being as tall as he is, but obviously a guy that's a blue chipper per a couple recruiting services. Uh, he's got some high-end P5 offers, and as a native of Wagner, Oklahoma, he's not too far down the road. So that might be a guy that Oklahoma circles back on later down the line, but right now, I'm comfortable asserting that the tight end class in 2024 for Oklahoma is going to be Devon Mitchell and Cooper Alexander. By the way, Ref Army Locator brought to you by k Furniture Consignment with locations in OKC and in Norman on Main Street, much more than furniture consignment. k is a full design center and will beat any local competitor's price on fabrics. 
text line beat me to it. Doc, I was going to ask it this segment, or we were going to discuss it this segment, and you beat me to it. Doc says if we were to set a June 1st line on June commits, what would be reasonable? Now, we can set an over-under for June. I I think it could be a little bit difficult to do so. I think a lot of things could happen this month. My over-under, though, is going to strictly be on commits in the 2024 class. I'm not looking at portal commits that you're probably going to get this month. I'm just looking at 2024 commits for June. How do you feel about the number four and a half? Is that too aggressive? I I was going to say I was going back and forth between three and a half and four and a half. So we were in the same ballpark there. I'm okay with four and a half. It's at least doable, right? I mean, some things are really going to have to go your way, but four and a half could happen. Um, I, I don't know who the most likely candidate would be. I, there, there's a few of those that are going to be at the Champion Barbecue, but I, I, as I look at this month, you know, four and a half, I mean, we can, we can go ahead and set that as the official over-under, and I would guess if you hit the over on that, the majority of those commits are probably going to be uh, guys that are at the Champion Barbecue, at least I would guess. Yeah, and if I had to pick one, I would lean towards the under slightly. I would say the Sooners get four commits in June. But I, I, the reason I think it's a good over-under is because I think you can make an equally compelling case for both the over and the under. There are some guys that are undeniably uh, – unambiguously making decisions by the end of June. Caden Massey is one guy that comes to mind. He'll be at the Champion Barbecue uh, with Oklahoma. But there are also some guys that you wonder if their official visit is going to be what seals the deal. If they're going to get to campus on the 9th or the 16th and just be like, okay, I'm done. I'm committing to Oklahoma. Because you get a few of those every single year. And the question then becomes, how quickly do they announce it? I would say... Oklahoma has more than 4.5 silent commits by the end of June. But if I had to guess on public commits, I would say the under hits. Yeah, I I guess the follow-up is what's an acceptable number of commits, whether they're public or silent, for this month? Um, I think, one, it depends on the caliber of player could could sway that a little bit. I also think it may be more about if you miss out on anyone. You know what I mean? Like if you only get three commits in the month of June, which is you know obviously lower than the four and a half. If you only get three commits in the month of June, but your top targets are still uncommitted, and you still feel like you lead for those, and they don't sign somewhere else. Like I, I think that there's definitely a world where June can be a successful month, even if you don't hit that over on the four four and a half. Yeah, and look, success, I would say, like, whether or not June is successful, that verdict will be rendered in July, I feel. Because what you will see and what you saw last year was a lot of those champion barbecue visits paying off in public commitments come the month of July. So I think on June 30th, we might not have a great idea of how successful the month was. We will certainly have an idea of how successful it was on July 31st because you, for example, you think back to last June, right? Who did the Sooners have committed in the month of June by the time it was all over? You got Cade McIntyre. Well, you got Keon Brown first off. You got Keon Brown on the 4th, Cade McIntyre on the 13th, as I recall. I want to say Heath Ozida on the 27th and Samuel Masigo, who at that point was a three-star on June 30th. 
But in July, the floodgates opened, and it was pretty much all guys that had been on campus and taken their official visits in the month of June. So again, you're going to pick up a lot of momentum. You're going to pick up a lot of steam this month. But July is and will continue to be, for this staff, the month where you can expect to see more commits than any other individual month on the calendar. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, a big news that we glossed over, uh, JFA does not have the same haircut that he did when he got to OU. No, he does not. A little bit more of a buzz cut. I, th- I-, I think the most important element, though, in all of this is that he still has the mustache, okay? So I, I don't know with the buzz cut if we still want to call him Uncle Rico. I guess that is up to the internets. We'll see how that one rolls out. But different haircut, fine. Same mustache for the most part. Okay, I'm 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 good with it. That's that's the most important elements of uh, of what he's got going on is the mustache. Yeah, he's that haircut is fresh though. You can kind of still see the pale halo around his head, yeah. where it's like, oh, that hasn't seen the sun in a while. <laughs> Yeah, old uh, Jackson Arnold out at, uh, out at Brent Venables' camp uh, earlier today with some uh, highly ranked prospects making their way to Norman this weekend. Kobe Black mentioned it earlier, uh, five-star corner out of Waco, will be in at OU for an OV on June the 9th. Do we feel any more optimistic about that than we did a month ago? Because it feels like for the past month it's been, yeah, I mean, you'll probably get a visit there, and yeah, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, that one's, that one's going to be really tough for OU. I'm not buying it, Tyler. I, I, I'm not buying it with Kobe Black right now. If Jay Valai can pull that off, write the guy a blank check because five-star cornerbacks are not something you're accustomed to at the University of Oklahoma. I mean – you got to go back a long way, and no, Buki does not count. You got to go back a long way to figure out when the last time Oklahoma signed a five star cornerback was. I'm talking probably close to two decades. Now, Kobe Black, if nothing else, is going to get the OU staff's best effort. OU's going to make their pitch. They're going to get the chance to make their pitch, they're going to get the chance to make their impression. But it still feels to me like he ends up going to Texas or LSU. I just I, yeah. I can't make myself uh, believe that Oklahoma has a real shot here. They've got a shot. It's a slim one. By the way, uh, back to the Jackson Arnold mustache, new haircuts. Zane says, so basically he looks like Landry Jones. I don't know how everyone feels about that. Oh, I, I feel man. Like the mustache is a little bit more – is the mustache a little bit thicker than what Landry's was? Um, Gosh, he I'll does look like Landry and, uh, Jones, doesn't he? Oh no! <laughs> I'm gonna have to find a side by side. Number though, you know. I'm gonna have to find a side by side, man, because they do that. There is some find, similarity there. Find a side by side and tweet it out and see what the reaction is. I'm sure that there won't be. Uh, I'm sure there won't be panic for that. 405-651-0708. Oh, They're all going to LSU for those damn air-conditioned helmets. Yeah. They, they, these new helmets LSU have, they can have air conditioning for like six hours, and they're going to use them in practice and in games this year. Gerald McCoy is not a fan of those air-conditioned helmets, but uh, the player that LSU had, I forget who it was, uh, that put it on was like, this is the – you could tell he didn't say this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, but the facial expression said it all. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So, I'm sure LSU will uh, 
be throwing that one out in recruiting, air-conditioned helmets at some point. More of your texts coming up next on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Hanging out at Westwood Golf today right here in Norman. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the home of Sooner fans. Westwood Golf today. Everyone enjoying a nice Thursday afternoon here in Norman. Several people out on the course, several people getting a uh, cold beer, maybe a cold drink, and uh, a hot dog at the turn here at the grill. You can play 18 all summer long here at Westwood Golf in Norman. Go check out the Westwood Pool as well. An amazing facility that they've built right here in Norman. Uh, real quick, just on the uh, portal visitors for this week, Josh Wallace, the corner at a UMass, four-year starter and a two-time captain at UMass. He'll have one year of eligibility remaining. Philip Paya, the defensive lineman from Utah State, started his career at Michigan. He got two years of eligibility remaining. And DeJon Terry from Tennessee will have one year of eligibility to, ra- to uh, remaining. I- anything new on the front of DeJon Terry or uh, – or Josh Wallace, because we continue to feel good about Philip Paya being a member of this class. Yeah, no, and there are a couple other visits in the works for Josh Wallace. He's going to go to Michigan. I know that much. I believe he's also going to go to Virginia Tech, which, you know, if you remember the Troy Everett battle about a month ago, never oh, did yes. I imagine we'd find Oklahoma going head-to-head with Virginia Tech for multiple portal prospects in the same cycle. But here we are. DeJon Terry, I'm – I'm kind of lukewarm on Oklahoma's chances there. It feels like he wants to go somewhere closer to home. And moreover, man, I just I don't think that's a guy that you bend over backwards to get, especially if he's a one-year rental. Philip Pia's got two years. So I actually might prefer Philip Pia yep. over Dejon Terry because, uh, you know, both of those guys are – well, how do, I, how do I say this in fairness? They're not elite – Neither of them are elite. Neither of them are Jalen Redmond. You are not replacing what you lost in Jalen Redmond man for man with either of those guys. So if you have another body in the mix that's got P5 playing experience, great. But I don't feel like you go above and beyond like you did with Walter Rouse to make sure that you get that guy in an Oklahoma uniform. If he wants to come, great. If not, not a huge loss in my eyes. By the way, 98, uh, that's Jordy Ball. For those of you that don't follow OU softball, she looks real good through uh, two innings thus far. 0-0, tied at nothing. Oklahoma and Stanford, we move to the bottom of the second. Alyssa Brito leading it off for uh, for OU. Let's get to the text line before we hit the top of the hour. EJ from Louisiana says, how often does a recruit not commit to a school because of an insider going public with information that some recruits may not want released or would that not affect the recruitment at all? No, it can affect the recruitment. It can. And does it affect the outcome? I would say it, seldom does it affect the outcome. It certainly affects the timeline. I can cite numerous examples. Dijon Johnson being a perfect example last year. Soon as he decommitted from Ohio State, he was going to Florida. It took months months for him to turn around and commit to Florida and it was because there was a bunch of information there were predictions put out and it wasn't what Dijon Johnson wanted and so everybody's got to play by the kids rules to an extent because it all comes back to him so if the kid doesn't want word getting out if he wants stuff staying under wraps well it's got to stay under wraps or otherwise the involved parties uh, get their panties in a wad as it were 
EJ, you know it really uh, hurts a recruitment for a school by a reporter if you follow a kid into a bathroom like a Texas A&M reporter did uh, several years back. Yeah, most of you that are in tune with recruiting stories know that one, but that actually did happen at one point. Uh, Camo Suter, best OU quarterback, facial hair, Nate Hibble, scruffy beard, or Baker Mayfield, Fu Manchu? It's you the Baker. Go with the Baker yeah. Fu Manchu. It's the Fu Manchu, yeah. without yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, he, he grew that out for uh, special occasions late in the year, especially. It Yes, the best OU quarterback facial hair. And I don't, maybe Jackson Arnold is in that territory in a few years. But as of right now, yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, Baker Mayfield Fu Manchu. Hey, before we get out of here, um, we, we still got a long way to go in this recruiting cycle. We know that. But Colorado and Dion at just number 38 in the recruiting rankings, two four-stars and three three-stars up to this point. I know it's way early, but is it fair to say that they just haven't killed it in recruiting like most people thought, or let's, let's maybe wait three or four more months to have that take? Yeah, I'm still holding out. I'm saying wait three or four more months. It's, it's June. So much will change, even in the next two months, let alone the next four. Colorado and Dion, number 38 right now in the recruiting rankings, two four-stars, three three-stars in this class. But they've uh, they've gone outside the state of Colorado to get the commits that they have uh, so far, that's for sure. All right, we'll keep you updated on OU and Stanford and OKC. Bottom of the second, it's scoreless, nobody on and one out. The rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.